Awesome. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Today, we're actually going to be talking about buying businesses. We talk a lot about building brands on this channel, but today we're going to be talking about buying brands. And to help me talk about that with you is my guest today, Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the show today. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Excited to chat. It's my pleasure. We've had uh, a few conversations over recent months about what you guys are up to and uh, and I'll kind of let you share a little bit more about that but it's an interesting proposition and I think really does open up this potential of buying businesses to a wider audience than may think they could buy a business and so I'm uh, I'm thinking that this episode is going to maybe open some people's eyes to the possibilities make them think about things a little bit different potentially so I am looking forward to that uh, but why don't we start the episode by just telling us a little bit about yourself uh, the company that you're working with how you managed to get there and what you guys as a company are up to at the moment yeah absolutely so i'm at bubos bubos is the name of the company that we're helping people acquire e-commerce and SaaS businesses e-commerce both b2c and amazon businesses and just very briefly about myself i've always been in tech i've always been in the startup ecosystem i've been in the bay area i ran a startup myself and now i'm part of this amazing team that is offering the possibility, as you were very well mentioning, of having just normal people like yourself, like myself, being able to acquire a business that's actually working and that it's profitable and giving them the opportunity to grow that business. So what we do is, long story short, we're the financing aid for this. So we offer financing for these acquisitions in the online space. That's the core of what we do. Mm -hmm. The expanded version of what we do, or more in detail, is we're actually kind of the advisors, the partner in analysis. So we take our buyers by the hand from the beginning, from the deal flow, help them find the right business. We take no personal warranties. We're non-dilutive. So we'll tend to take most of the risk in these acquisitions. We want to make sure they're good businesses, that they're also adapted to the budget, the objectives of the buyer. So we help mm -hmm. them find that business. We help them analyze it and then when they're ready to close, we're able to finance the transaction in just seven days, way faster than a bank, everything you can, very techy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the acquisition financing for online businesses. That's what we do. Yeah, that's amazing. I think there's been a lot of attention, rightly so, in recent uh, years, particularly last year, aggregators, buyers of businesses, yeah. and our discussion a lot as e-commerce um, practitioners is how do I build a business that I could sell? But I think, you know, the more uh, people go through business, they realize that actually buying a business can shortcut so much of the the hard yards, you know, because it's, uh, it's just as easy to go, you know, not that I haven't bought a business yet, as we've discussed, it's one of my goals down the line yeah. to do so. But getting from zero to 100 is really hard but then a hundred to a million is almost like uh, you know it's almost just the same amount of effort you know zero to one as one to ten there, there's that compound effect of something that's really moving forward so um, I'm, I'm really interested to kind of hear your thoughts as to how entrepreneurs can really leverage this opportunity um, but to do that like let's kind of go back to to the start really of this whole idea why should entrepreneurs if they want to own a business, be their own boss, why should they look at buying a business as opposed to building a business? Honestly, I think you nailed it. At the end of the day, you can go into, let's take Amazon as an example, mm. which is kind of 
as you were mentioning with all the Thrasios aggregators out there, it's been the hype more lately. You can go into the Amazon space and try to sell a cup of coffee and have to compete it with 500 other sellers, a million other sellers that are already well positioned and try to scale your business from zero to 100, right? Or you can go into the Amazon space, buy something that's working, that's already selling exactly what you wanted to sell and take it from 100 to a million. So there's this component of, hey, you can avoid the whole struggle of having to position your product, find the supplier, find the warehouse, decide whether you want to FBA, not FBA, get the ratings, get the click fast button, all of that. Or you can buy something that already has that in place and actually bring value to that using your experience to grow it faster. And then in that sense, when you're looking to buy a business, with the fact that Boop was being here, it also allows you to have the financing opportunity or capability to take something that's working, scale it, and then the return of investment down the road, if you take something from 100 to a million, if you've only invested part of your money into that, is way yeah. bigger, right? That if you just start something, you work super hard to scale it to 100, and then you sell it for a 3x, hey, the return of investment is not going to be that huge. Yeah. So yeah. it's all about getting strategic and finding the right opportunity for each for each one, I guess. Yeah, and this deal structure, I think, is something that really is uh, interesting for people to consider because, uh, you know, I think it's one of the things that attracts a lot of people to, say, something like property because you can leverage the bank's money to increase your return on investment. And this is the same kind of principle as what Bupos are offering, right? Is the uh, Can you talk us through, like, a typical deal structure? Yeah. Because a lot of people, I think, when they think, well, I'd like to buy a business, but I probably don't have the capital to buy a a six-figure, seven-figure business, how much capital does it actually take? Can you can you break down a bit of a, a deal structure for us? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do something. Let's take it just one step backwards for a minute. Hmm. And you mentioned something very interesting, which is the bank. That's kind of the first thing that comes to our mind when we're looking for financing options, either to start a business or buy a business. Now, and I'm sure anyone that's listening to this that has been looking into the acquisition space for a while has noticed this, but Banks tend to be very skeptical when it comes to financing online assets. They don't really see it as tangible. They don't really know what to take as collateral. They can be very slow. And at the end of the day, the online space moves very fast. So you need to be able to raise the financing fast, to secure an offer fast, to move fast. So upfront, banks sometimes don't aren't, aren't always the best option. And when they are, they last for personal guarantees. It's not ideal. You don't know what will happen. Suddenly there was... COVID, just what, last year? So you don't really know what will happen, right? Now, that being said, the whole idea about Pupos is being that bank from, for the online space. No personal guarantees, way faster than a bank, so on. When it comes to the structure of a deal, the whole mission behind Pupos was to be able to help any entrepreneur acquire the dream business. So how much do they actually need to put down? Or what is the minimum cash, right? Which is kind of what you were asking. Do I have enough cash to acquire a good business or not? So on our end, since we take no personal guarantees and no warrants, the minimum skin in the game that we require for buyers to have in the acquisition with us is either 25% of our lending amount. So let's say that we lend 100K, they would just have to put 25K, and then maybe they could use a seller note for the remaining, let, let's say 50, and suddenly they got a business that was sold at 175, and they just invested 25K on their end. Yeah. Right. So it's just 25% of our lending amount or 15, 1, 5% of the total asking price, whichever of the two is bigger. 
So it's really a minimum portion that can allow you to buy a great business or a bigger business. Let's use another very simple example. Seller financing. That's also part of the hype. Something that a lot of people use when they're acquiring a business. Let's say you're looking at a business that's priced at 600K. And at first you think that's more than half a million. But hey, you can buy that business and just invest 100K. Mm-hmm. How? You can get a financing partner like Bupos, put in 400. You just have to put 25% or $1 for every $4 we invest. You put 100K. You use a salary note for the remaining 100K. You just got a business that's worth 600K and your investment was 100K. And you can apply the same model to the different sizes according to what your objective is and what you're looking for. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the, there's so much opportunity because people, a lot of people, when they start a business, first and foremost, they want, um, you know, J, JRI, job replacement income. You know, they want to be able to be their own yeah. boss. They want to just have enough to be able to do that. And but starting a business, it can take time. But, you, you know, you mentioned there an example of a $600,000 business that should be generating somewhere in the region of one to $200,000 a year in profit. And so even you know, 300, yeah. then we're seeing it's actually very relevant that you bring this up because what we've seen is that with the activity of most applicators and the space slowing down in the past year, multipliers have been stabilizing quite a lot. Mm. And whereas a year ago, we would be having this conversation and you would get businesses sold at 4x, 5x because there was an aggregator out there willing to pay 9x. Mm. Nowadays, we're seeing that the expectations of sellers and buyers are aligning and multipliers for a good Amazon store can be somewhere around 3x, 3.5x. So Mm. that 600k business might be generating 300 in profit and you just invested 100k. So that was a very relevant point. Why do you bring it up? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously then you can immediately start paying yourself a salary, which with a startup business, you couldn't. And then you're going to get a return on investment each year with, uh, you know, significant return on investment. So um, that's obviously makes it very attractive. Um, now, obviously, there'll be some costs associated with that. Um, what would a, if someone was trying to finance an acquisition, what would the likely costs involved be? Okay, so that will depend, of course, on the financing option. Mm-hmm. So if we go to the bank, Banks will be slower, they'll take for personal guarantees and so on. And the U.S. work a lot with the U.S. We also work with the U.K., anywhere really and around the world. But mainly that the U.S. is like the biggest market we have. And the first option that people think of is SBA. Mm-hmm. SBA loans, they're the loans that the state will kind of protect and offer at very cheap prices. So that will be an interest rate of maybe around 10%, 8%, super cheap, up to 10 years. But then there are all the hurdles to actually get in that financing or get it in a competitive way. Now, if you go to venture debt or venture equity, that will come at the cost of diluting yourself. So that's also a cost to be considered. If you use a financing partner such as Pupos, that will allow you to be fast, no personal guarantees, non-dilutive, but it will also be kind of a premium service that will be a little bit more expensive, right? So pre-approval is just within 48 hours. You also use as a partner in analysis, as your free consultants or advisory. And in that case, how much the cost will, or how much is the cost will actually depend on when the buyer is paying back the loan. So just to clarify, we use a very different model to what you usually see in a bank, which is what allows us to be more data-driven, faster, take most of the risk and so on. We do something called revenue-based financing. Have you talked about that in the podcast before, Ben? No. 
using the audio. Okay. Then just let's make sure we summarize it. Yeah. Revenue-based lending basically means that we lend X amount of money. And the way to pay it back is representative of the business revenues. Okay. This percentage of the business revenues is what we call the royalty. So whenever you hear me discuss about the royalty, whenever you read royalty in our website, that's not an interest rate. So that's not the cost per sale of the loan. It's just a unique monthly payment that includes both principal and interest. And that is amortized over time until you pay back the loan, up to six years in our case. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole idea behind this model is that it offers flexibility. So since it's a percentage of the revenues, if one month you sell more, you'll be able to pay back a bigger chunk of the debt. You'll pay back faster, no prepayment penalties. And that's where we started to talk about the cost. Yeah. If you sell less that month, you'll simply be paying a le- less in a monetary terms amount yeah. because that's just less. It will take you a little bit longer to pay back. Yeah. So the way we designed it is to avoid penalizing growth or to avoid penalizing buyers that might use their financing as fast access to capital and then restructure with the bank, we have a multiplier scheme in place. This multiplier scheme is in place basically means that the total cost of the loan depends on when you're paying back the loan. Sure. Okay. If it's in the first year, and this will give you an idea of the cost, in the first year, if you were to pay off the debt completely, it's 1.15 times the amount you borrowed. So let's say that we lend you ban 100K, total threshold would have to be 115. Maybe you're, you bought the company in January 2023, you're in December, you've paid back 50K in royalties, you only have 50K left to pay, you say, listen, I'll just pay this off from my own pocket or restructure with the bank loan, whatever. It was at a 15% interest. Pretty straightforward. Once you go past the first anniversary, that increases by 15% every year until the fourth year. So it's 1.30 the second year, 1.45 the third year, and 1.6 the fourth year, which is the cap. Does that mean we're talking about a 30% interest rate or a 45 interest rate or 60% interest rate? Hell no, that's crazy. Why? <laughs> because by the time you get to the third year, you're accumulating three years of repayments that you've already done through the royalty. So you're spreading on the cost around or along those three years. Yeah. My recommendation here to buyers is this allows you to get strategic. So you can pay back the loan at the beginning of the fourth year, what the end of the fourth year, what's going to be cheaper for you. Yeah. Right. So it kind of offers that flexibility. Do you think that was clear? It's a very different model. So I do want yeah. to make sure that it's very clear. I think it's clear. I think that is very unique and different to anything that anybody may yeah. have heard before. So and, and it would take probably more than a conversation we could have on a podcast. But I think the the key learning, I think, for me is, A, uh, we'll give all the links to check out the Bupos website at the end. But also, <laughs> also is B, that where you put them here in the subtitles? Yeah, yeah that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And But also, uh, B, is that there are a lot more creative financing options than people realize. Um, and Absolutely. so the potential of buying a business is something that I think most people shouldn't write off, especially when they've got some of the skills required to you know, take a business that's already got proof of concept, already got momentum and then grow it. So. Um, so, yeah, no, Absolutely. I think that's, that's really helpful. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about the experiences you're having with people that are buying businesses um, and just, yeah, you know, at the start of the journey, how do, when people are looking for a business to buy, 
obviously there would be a number of options. How does someone that's looking to buy a business choose what kind of business to buy or, or find that business? What What's the right steps to take? That's such a good question. And it depends so much on every profile of person, mm. right? Mm. So you get buyers that jump on the first conversation with you and they know exactly what they want. They even have a target in place that they're interested in and they'll use that as proof of concept. Mm. So, hey, they can bring you the target. You know, we work very fast and just 48 hours, we'll be able to provide them with feedback, a term sheet that was fast, ready to go. And then you'll also get that other buyer, which is probably where you're orientating the question more that wants to buy a business, but doesn't really know what to look for. There are several resources in place. My first piece of advice there is always just, and you mentioned it yourself, where can you add value? How can yeah. you apply your experience to grow a business? If you're a great marketer, look for a business that is of course already established, of course a good business, profitable, etc., but that has a low marketing spend. Because you know that just by pulling the lever, you'll be able to grow it. If you're great with operations and managing efficiencies in the supply chain and product development, maybe prioritize low cost of goods sold because that will give you more room to invest in that to grow the mm -hmm. business, right? So think about what kind of value can you contribute to make sure to grow that business. Yeah. Now, that being said, there are a lot of resources out there for deal flow. The most or the first one that comes to any new buyer's mind is just broker sites, marketplaces. There are tons of out there. There's Empire Flippers, there's Flippa, there's Quiet Light, there's Website Closers, there's Investors Clubs. There are plenty, plenty out of there. And they all have a lot of options. It's like buying a house. You can go to different real estate agencies, different realtors. There's offer a lot. So you can just browse around that, see what it appeals to you. And then when you're working with Bupos as your financing partner, you also get a get a help in this analysis process and selection process because since we're willing to take most of the risk in these acquisitions mm -hmm. we can finance a maximum of 80 percent of the asking price mm -hmm. we want to make sure they're good businesses course, so yeah. you can bring us the targets that you're looking at and we can help you understand if that's a good business or not yeah. if we're able to approve it you already know that that's a good business hey you already narrowed the, the search if we don't feel comfortable approving it we'll let you know why we'll say hey ben this one had very thin margins they have been decreasing what's going on yeah. or hey this one had a very good peaks in 2021 but we've seen that it's really slowing down you might want to ask the seller why this is going on yeah. or this one spending way too much in affiliate content does a product have value per se so you also get that input from us and and that simultaneously at the same time because we also partner with all of the brokers and marketplaces out there we also receive a lot of deals from from them so brokers will be sending us their deals. We'll look at them, the, the ones that we think are good enough and that will last at least six years, which is the maturity date of our loans, mm -hmm. we'll pre-approve them. And yeah. we'll post those on our marketplace that we have of aggregated listings. Mm -hmm. That's also a resource that our partner buyers can use to narrow down the search and just focus directly on businesses that we've already pre-approved that we already think they're good yeah. enough. Yeah, no, that's really good, really good. You mentioned declining revenues, declining margins there. Are there any other, uh, what other criteria are you, are you looking at when you are analyzing, evaluating a business yeah. to purchase? It's a lot. Like our proprietary model is complex. Yeah. The two most important ones or the ones that kind of summarize the rest is, first of all, the product. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So do we think it's going to be a product that is going to be just as successful in the following five years or six years? So if it's a product where we might see some risky business in terms of ESG, for instance, we might stay away of it. Is the, does the product have, have good reviews? How is it positioned compared to the competition? Does it have some recurrence of revenues in there that we might also want to take into consideration? So anything related to the product, we always recommend checking out. And then, of course, the numbers. You always want to make sure the numbers make sense. And my motto here is one that I borrowed from a teacher I had in my MBA, which was, hey, cash is king. So you want to make sure that it's a profitable business. You want to make sure the numbers add up. You want to make sure that hopefully it's growing and that if it's not growing, it's stable and there has some opportunity for you, as we were saying before, to grow it. You want to make sure that the margins are not, are not too thin because that might be risky down the road. If anything changes, if suddenly Amazon increases their fee, that might impact your margins considerably if they don't have a lot of room there. You might want to check out that cost of goods sold are not also over the top. You might want to check the advertising spend. Basically, anything that you can see on a P&L is worth taking into account. Yeah, no, that's really good. You mentioned... Um you know, like a term sheet before, I'd love to know the the kind of the duration of this process. You know, someone starts looking at a business to buy. Can you give us the maybe three or four main steps? Like, obviously, you don't have to go into the minute detail, but mm-hmm. the main steps when someone's buying a business, um, you know, like a letter of intent, term sheet, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. How does the process work? Absolutely. Okay, let's role play like if we were five years old. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, yeah. You're the buyer here, Ben. You just saw a business. Let's take the financing out of the picture for now just to outline the process very simple. Let's say you saw the business of the mugs that we were talking before. I'm selling the business. You're interested in it. Let's say you saw it on a broker site on, let's use just Empire Flippers as an example. Mm -hmm. And through Empire Flippers, you're going to reach out to me. We're going to start the negotiation process. So you're going to ask me questions. I'm going to answer. We're going to talk about the valuation. And eventually you'll come up with an offer and you'll present that letter of intent with the offer. I think, hey, I trust Ben. He's a good buyer. And I think it's a good offer. I'm signing that letter of intent. Now, after the letter of intent will come the more of specific due diligence process. Mm-hmm. So now, Ben, that you know that you have an exclusive time with me as your seller, and you're my unique buyer right now on the table because we're on the letter of intent, you're going to go more into details into the numbers. You might want to go to the merchant's account, make sure that what I send you over in the P&L actually matches what you can see behind the Stripe account or the merchant's account. You might want to come to hire a third-party provider for due diligence and so on. And then once you feel 100% convinced, you're going to come through with an asset purchase agreement. We'll sign up. the funds will be transferred to an escrow account and then we'll start the migration process. How much does that last will actually depend on buyer, seller and on the business per se. On an average, we see the migration process lasting around two weeks. Mm -hmm. During that time, my job as the seller will be to make sure that I'm handing over the steer wheel to you so that you can run it without the business declining. Sometimes you might even convince me to stay with you for six months, one year, that will depend on the negotiations. The fact is by the time the migration has finished, the business is yours and now then you're owning this wonderful WeWork mug business. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, And helpful, I think, for everyone to understand the stages of the journey because 
buying a business is obviously a huge thing. Selling it is something a lot of us aspire to do one day. And, um, but that's, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not, but you know, it's not as complex because ultimately we just have to prepare our business as best as possible and sell it for as much as possible. But when you're buying, you are investing a lot of money into this, which I think is where you guys bring such unique insight because you are co-investing into this. And so there's lots of due diligence that you're doing. And um, it's very interesting to hear about that due diligence because you guys, you're taking on a lot of the responsibility, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you could not say any better. I swear you could just do a monologue next time, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll be taking no personal guarantees, Mm. right? So if the business doesn't work out, we'll take nothing else, put the business per se, and we don't want a business that has no value. So as you were saying before, we are co-investing, which is why we don't see ourselves just as a financing partner, but we actually see ourselves as a partner. So we're going to help you find the right deal. We want to make sure it's a good enough business. Going to have your back during the negotiation process. If you have any question that you want to run through us, we'll be here. If you want help with with structuring the offer, we'll also be here. Our success is based on the buyer's success. It's Mm. definitely a co-investment. And at the end of the day, what we're talking about or what this means is that we're offering leverage, right? So then you could have 100K and invest this 100K in buying a business that's worth 100K. If that business doesn't go out as planned, you lost it all, kind mm-hmm. of, and that within those 100K. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're using a financing partner, you have two options. You can buy a bigger business, back to the example of business worth 600K, and you're just investing 100K. So, hey, if that doesn't go out well, what you lose is nothing proportional to what you had and what you manage. Mm. Or you can also say, actually, let me diversify my risk even more. So let me buy three businesses mm. that are worth 100K. I'll have Pupos finance 70%. I'll just invest 30K in it. Mm. And you just got yourself a portfolio of three brands, which mm. obviously will allow you to diversify your risk. And then down the road, you were talking about exiting businesses, selling them. If you sell three businesses versus just one, the return of investment, of course, just triple. Yeah. And you yeah. still invested just 100K. Yeah, this idea of leverage is, I think, really, really key as you, when people are just starting out in e-commerce, they just want to make some money. But I think the longer you go, the more you do uh, this business, the more you realize there are opportunities to leverage other people's money to put it frankly mm-hmm. um, to be able to grow yeah absolutely um, you know there are options that open up with that so i think that this is uh, i think something that a lot of people in time will, will, will look more at um when it comes to then the acquisition it's been completed what's what's then the next steps does someone that's acquired a new business what what are the key things that you would say they need to focus on um in order to really make a a successful acquisition come to the fore is it uh, just keep things going as they have been is it to try and keep it as stable as possible or should they be aggressive what what are your recommendations there so that will depend on the strategy of the buyer right Mm. if you're someone that uh, owns another business or you have a full-time job and you're just looking for a business that requires minimum time to maintain for some extra income and you just want to sit on it continue to make it go as it goes and keep it stable that's just as legit like maybe someone has a full-time job at let's say a real estate agency they're a realtor 
they're just trying to diversify into other asset classes. They buy something that's already up and working. They just want to invest four hours on the weekend and eat, keep it running, pay back the debt over those six years, and then eventually sell it and just make the whole benefit from the return of that exit because they just invested 25% of a lending amount or 15% of the total asking price. That works. That's good to go. Maybe you're a buyer that is very experienced in Amazon and e-commerce and you want to be very aggressive about it. And you know what levers to pull for growth because you've done it before. Go for it. If you're able to repay the loan faster, you'll get no penalties for that. You might want to buy three businesses at the same time or use that acquisition to grow your own business because you bought a competitor, right? So really what your focus should be after the acquisition is more about what, are you, what is your objective with the, with the acquisition. Yeah. So are you looking for just an additional revenue stream? Are you looking to replace your income down the road? Are you looking, are you viewing this as a portfolio investment? So really anything is legit. It just depends on what you're after. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. The um, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but do you have any stories um, from people that you've worked with, maybe that have acquired a business uh, and seen some great success with it and seen some great momentum? Yeah. Any case studies that you might be able to share with us? Yeah, so my favorite case studies are those of buyers that have successfully grown a small portfolio of businesses just by using our our financing to the point that they've evolved into becoming smaller aggregators, wow. right? So one of the first clients that we actually had was Telos Brands. I'm not sure if, have you heard of them before, Ben? I think so, yeah, yeah. The name rings They're quite legit. Yeah, like, I think they probably own like five or six brands and they financed yeah. all of those acquisitions with us. They yeah. started with zero brands bought the first brand, smaller side, 50K, first brand employees. Second brand, 100K, third brand, 300K. By the time they got to the fifth brand, that was 1 million. Mm. Hey, the portfolio you had, the valuation of that portfolio just went from zero to five brands, over a million. Now, if you want to go and raise venture capital, equity or debt, you have a more stronger position to do that. Yeah. And that's for people that are thinking about roll-up strategies, eventually turning into a holding company or just like scaling it up pretty fast, pretty big. Yeah. There are also cases in which we see buyers that come from backgrounds that have nothing to do. And I was talking about real estate before because that's quite of anecdotally a profile that we tend to get a lot, I guess, because they have that mentality or that mindset of I'll mm. buy houses and yeah. then sell them. And they think the same way from e-commerce and SaaS. I'll buy yeah. online businesses and then sell them. Yeah. And I can bring to you one specific case, just because we have so many of buyers that we've been able to take them by the hand, help them find the right business. And eventually they're now growing it with the mindset of, hey, I'll sell this in two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Right? So overall, it's more, let's view the question the other way around. We finance more than 110 deals just this year. Wow. Our loan book is over 30 million. Do you want to know how many defaults we've had from this more than 110 deals? Yeah, go on. Four. Wow. Three of the which we were able to restructure. So those business owners are still there running the businesses, fighting for the revenues. It happens. Like sometimes yeah, things yeah. happen. Yeah. Just one decided to hand over the business because 
they felt overwhelmed about it. So now we have one of our partner operators run the business in order to rescue it. So we're talking about 40 faults out of 110. Wow. All of the other 106 businesses are success case studies. And yeah. I encourage anyone that's listening here to just go on Trustpilot, search for Bupo so that they'll be able to read firsthand of different testimonials. Yeah. Obviously, that speaks volumes about Bupos, but it also speaks volumes to anyone that's doubting or worrying about the potential with it to see 110 deals, only four have defaulted, which means the other ones are obviously making money or obviously progressing um, is a, a super encouraging stat, a super encouraging yeah. case study in itself for those people that may think to acquire a business one day. So, no, that's that's really helpful. Um, this whole thing has been very helpful and eye-opening, to be honest with you. But is there anything that I haven't asked you? Is there anything just to finish off that maybe uh, extra you want to add or anything, um, like I say, that I haven't asked but you think maybe would be worth just uh, mentioning? Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that whoever's thinking about acquiring a business or buying and then building versus just building from scratch, I generally encourage them just to reach out to our team online on the website on the beautiful resources that you'll put down here. Oh, you always love when podcasts yeah, yeah. do that. Because as you were mentioning before, there are different ways to create creative and we can help everyone find the right business for them and even the right financing. So we're also growing, right? We just closed our series A back in September, 68 million in depth and equity something we're very proud of given the more challenging times that we're at. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that we are growing, the fact that we see that we have the backup, that it's working, also encourage us to expand our scope mm -hmm. and our financing options. So for instance, we still talk a lot about revenue-based financing because it's what we do. But from the feedback of our buyers, and since our whole aim is to be useful financing, We've also found out that there's a certain percentage of buyers, which for now is still minimal, that want to be very aggressive with growth. So they're very concerned about margins and cash at the end of the day. So what did we do? We'll listen to that, we listened to that feedback and we rolled out an alternative financing that we can also offer, which is a fixed term loan product that is up to four years. That would be more of the traditional interest versus principal, 17% mm -hmm. interest. And the first year, it's only the interest that you're paying. So of course, way more room for cash to reinvest in the business and grow it. Then there's a 2.25% amortization until the end of the fourth year, where you get the final balloon payment of 21% in total, mm -hmm. you're debt free, right? So we can find creative financing solutions yeah. according to the situation of every buyer. My piece of advice is reach out if you're thinking of it. We have a great team of advisory managers who will listen to you, will take you by the hand and guide you so that you can eventually successfully achieve your acquisition goals. Amazing. Well, we'll leave all of the links to do exactly that, as you say, mm -hmm. in the description down below, the show notes, if you're listening to the audio <laughs> yeah. podcast. Exactly, exactly. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, people can check out Bupos and we'll leave links to um, connect with you on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, honestly, this has been super, super helpful. Uh, Andrea, the, you've been uh, yeah, a brilliant guest. So thank you for coming on. Really appreciate your time. No, thank you, Ben. And wait, I have one question for you. Oh, yeah, please. So yeah. when are we buying that business together? 
<laughs> How's your acquisition process going? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it is a goal, a dream of mine to do it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I've just been so busy with, uh, you know, a bunch of different projects that we've already got on the plate that I haven't been able to sort of even get that way. Um, I probably, my goal will be in the next couple of years to try and sell a business and to then to use some of that capital mm-hmm. to then uh, buy something. Because we've done, you know, a fair bit of the startup process, the challenge is that first phase because one little thing going wrong like we've had a, a challenging year this year um with a, particularly with a new business and that takes its toll you know energy finances yeah. and so i, I yeah. am in the position now where i probably don't want to start any other businesses um we've got one other potential that i will maybe but then i don't really want to start any more businesses again ever you know because it's so much work <laughs> i'd much rather yeah. buy something that's already established um even get somebody else to run it you know i, I think that's the long-term goal so for sure we will do it um yeah i promise that's something. we'll be looking forward to that and then we can repeat this episode and talk about your experience how indeed, that was indeed sounds good to me sounds good Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, thank you again, Andrea. Appreciate you coming on. Likewise. Thank you, Ben.